0: Welcome to the first episode of the Onigiri Chronicles. I'm Noriko Inami. And I'm Rachel Hutchins.
1: I'm so hungry.
0: I love Onigiri. Let's eat. Onigiri, daisuki, itadakimasu!
1: This is the Onigiri Chronicles a podcast where two friends, one in Japan and one in the U.S., talk about food, cooking, and Japan with a few parenting adventures thrown in. So I guess I need to do a self-introduction. My name is Noriko Inami, and I was born in Singapore and then raised in Malaysia, Shizuoka, and then Seattle, which is a lot of places, (laughs) before moving back to Japan um, my junior year of high school. I currently live in Chiba, Japan with my husband and two kids, and I work part-time in the school kitchen where my children go to school at.
0: I'll introduce
1: myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: I'm Rachel Hutchins. I was born in Utah, but we moved to Southern California when I was a baby, and that's where I grew up. During college, I did a study abroad in France, and then met my husband right as I was finishing college and we got married and we moved to Japan. Uh, We've moved all over since then. (laughs) We've been (laughs) in Memphis, we've been in California and we actually did a second stint in Japan where my oldest daughter was born. I work um, writing recipes and doing food photography and that's me. Should we start out
1: uh, Mm -hmm. explaining our podcast title? Sure. So the Onigiri Chronicles, let me explain what an onigiri is. I'm sure some of you already know. Um, So onigiri, which is also known as omusubi or nigiri meshi, or um, a more common English name, rice ball, is a Japanese food and it's made from rice. And it's formed into tri- triangular shapes or a round shape or, you know, basically anything really. And then it's usually wrapped in nori. You don't really have to use nori if you don't want to. Traditionally, onigiri is usually filled with something salty, like umeboshi, or maybe like salted fish or bonito flakes or something, which also helps to preserve the rice. A lot of times in Japan, onigiri is sold in like supermarkets and in convenience stores. And sometimes there are even like onigiri shops, kind of like specialty shops where that's basically all they sell. But yeah, onigiri, is kind of something that has brought um, Rachel and I together. It is. (laughs) It is. It really is. And um, it's something that um, our kids eat on a daily basis. So... That's kind of why we picked the onigiri part of the title.
0: And everybody eats it from a one-year-old to a
1: 101-year-old. Yeah, it's it's used as like a finger food for little kids when they're first learning how to eat on their own. Um, You know, you can make them really small. You can make them really large to kind of adapt to the age of whoever's eating the onigiri.
0: So it makes, like you said, it's a perfect part of our title because it's something we all love. It's something that has brought us together. Mm -hmm. And we decided on Chronicles as this will be a record of things that have happened, things that are going on, things that we love, things that we're doing.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: All right. Do you want to start sharing the story of how we met so that this all makes sense?
1: (laughs) Okay. Well, I first met Rachel, I think, 13 years ago at a dinner party with our husbands. And I specifically remember eating veggie sticks with a variety of miso for dipping. It was like they had, and they had like little tags with the names of the miso in it, I think. We were the only two people at the dinner getting excited about the different types of miso. <laughs> True, I, I remember I it. I really <laughs> remember that. Like. Everybody was like, oh, this miso is good, but we're not that excited about it. (laughs) I remember, like, I I told my husband on the way home from that dinner that, you know, Rachel is, I think she's someone that I can really be good friends with. And yeah, she's really cool. And the funny
0: thing is, I
1: said basically the exact same
0: thing to my husband on the way home.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think it was the whole getting excited over the miso thing that kind of started it. like hey she's she's kind of like me yeah and then we hung out several times after that um before Rachel and her family moved back to the United States and then we we kept in touch over the years you know thanks to modern technology we had lunch or dinner or whenever Rachel and her husband husband were in Tokyo for work and sometimes they would have the kids and then sometimes they wouldn't um have their kids with them but we we always kind of made time to kind of hang out and do stuff together and yeah we just kind of spent more and more time together we and um, we've even been to the onsen together with our families they've stayed at our house before yeah and we just really connected and we come from totally different backgrounds totally different religions we're not it's it's really people would kind of be like what's what's so similar about you guys you know but we became really close over time through our mutual love for just a lot of things just new experiences just food in general um Japanese cooking magazines (laughs) and then then of course onigiri because we do actually we really do talk about onigiri a lot is there anything you kind of want to add to that Rachel Oh, I don't think I could have said it any better. All right. So, um, yeah, that's basically it. That's how we met. And we just kind of thought it'd be fun to do this. And
0: um. my husband has been bugging me for several years saying you and Nordico should do something together.
1: Yeah. Whether
0: it's like an ebook or you guys need to do something. <laughs> so we're finally listening.
1: <laughs> yes, after all these years. And my husband wasn't even, he was just, I told him about the podcast and he said, oh, finally, well, that's, he's like, took you long enough to kind of figure out something. And so here we are. Here we are. Well, since
0: we both have this mutual love for food, (laughs) that's putting it mildly.
1: Yeah, mildly.
0: Uh, did you want to share a
1: favorite mm-hmm. memory of food? Yes, my favorite memory of food is actually helping my um, maternal grandmother make umeboshi. She passed away almost twenty years ago, but um ever since I was really little, every time I visited my grandmother and she lived in Osaka, but every time I visited my grandmother when it was time for her to make umeboshi she would always asked me to help her out. She would dry her ume out on her roof and it was always my job to help her out of the window. <laughs> it was it was actually kind of scary, but um, it was my job to help her out of the window and onto her rooftop and hand her the large bamboo baskets that were lined with the ume. Um, and can you explain what ume are? They're basically these well, plums that you use to make umeboshi umeboshi ume is the word plum and then boshi is kind of to dry that sounds kind of weird but umeboshi is pretty much just dried plums and so my grandmother used to use these large um, nankobai which is a type of ume nankobai are usually used to make like plum wine because they are really meaty and big she used to use the nankobai for her umeboshi and they were amazing and her umeboshi were super salty, but they were fleshy and they just made the best filling for onigiri. And that was always just something that I, I really liked doing with my grandmother because it was, umeboshi is kind of something that I really, really like. And I still use to this day a lot for a lot of things in my cooking. What about you?
0: I've been thinking about this and I've had a hard time narrowing it down.
1: Because you have so many things, yeah.
0: Yeah. I just like, yeah, I just like to eat too much. Um, (laughs) But maybe one of my memories that's extra special is of spending some time with my mom's mom, who was a, an immigrant from Germany. And she always loved sharing special German foods with her grandchildren. And I realized that I really, really loved traditional German rye bread with a thin layer of butter spread on it. And yeah, that
1: sounds so good.
0: Oh, it's so good. But it's kind of a, a dense bread, you know, a little bit more sour. Mm-hmm. And it's not typically the thing that an American kid loves. And <laughs> <laughs> my grandmother and I, I think, bonded a little bit over that that bread. She would always bring it out when I came over and when I went to uh, undergraduate school uh-huh. she lived about 15 minutes away and so sometimes I'd go to her house you know, to do a load of laundry and to see her and she would always pull out the bread and the butter and say, do you want a slice? <laughs> like, of course. So, yeah. <laughs> we lost her about 10 years ago and I can't help but think of her when I when I see rye bread or some other German
1: items. I remember you talking about your grandmother. Um, I think you blogged about her or maybe more than once. I'm not if I'm I'm not really sure but I think you have in the past. Maybe you introduced some German recipes on your blog. But, I did. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember that.
0: So while we're talking mm-hmm. about food which I I guess we're going to be doing a lot of that. (laughs) I really wanted you to share about your work because Mm -hmm. I, I love what you do and I love how different it is from what kind of the same position here in America
1: is. So, um, I work part-time in the school kitchen where my children go to school at and, um, How I began that job was about two years ago, I had the opportunity to take part in like a a tasting of the school lunch at the school my kids attend. And what we basically do there is you just eat the same lunch that the kids eat. But it was there that I met the school nutritionist. And, you know, she gave us an explanation of how the kitchen is run every day. And you know, she showed us slides of the different tools that they use to make the food. And I just got to hear her talk about how every how just the food, how most everything is locally sourced and, and everything is made from scratch. And it's just listening to the to the nutritionist talk so passionately, just about the food and the well being of the kids. It was just such an, an eye opening experience. And the she just casually mentioned in, in her little talk that, yeah, we're, we're looking to hire people to work part-time in the kitchen. And I was like, okay, that's it. That's what I want to do. You know? And I had no prior experience to working in a kitchen before, but I just jumped at the opportunity and I literally signed up for work a week after that, pretty much. It's just been something that I've been doing since then. It's a lot of work because everything is made from scratch. So (laughs) And there are only 16 people working in the school kitchen. And we basically prep, prepare lunch for roughly, I think about 1400 people. So it's not easy, but I really, I've learned to appreciate all of the hard work that goes into um, preparing food in general, like even in in restaurants or or just at home or something even my mom makes or something, you know, a friend makes for me because I do it myself every day. like in, of course, large quantities, but um, <laughs> I'm really just thankful for the, the, f- the food that the nutritionist um, provides and she, uh, prepare because, you know, my kids have learned to appreciate food more and it's just been a really good, well, it's not just been a good experience. It, it still is because I still work there, but, um, it's just like an ongoing learning experience of food for me. And it's, it's really actually fun is there anything you want to know about how I do my job like well for one the whole Japanese
0: school lunch system just blows my mind because it's quite different than Mm -hmm. the experience my kids Mm -hmm. have had the whole fact that everything is made from scratch yeah I wish I had that for my kids uh so a couple questions Uh where does the food come from? Because I know this is also unique. Mm -hmm.
1: So most of the fruits and vegetables and even the rice, and let's say if it's a day that we use bread instead of rice or noodles, um, it's usually from um, small, let's say vegetable shops or like meat shops or um, rice shops in the city. So it's, it's locally sourced. Every morning, I think the the full-time employees, there are four full-time employees. They they go to work at like 6.30 in the morning. (laughs) Um, The part-timers come in at 9. So the deliveries start at like 7 in the morning. The fruits and vegetables and everything gets delivered every morning. And then we start prepping. Once we get there, we wash the vegetables, we cut the vegetables. Yeah, that's that's how it works. It's just everything. Everything is brought to the school every day, pretty much from local shops, even like the milk and any other dairy products that we use, too. Does that answer your question?
0: It does. I just think that's amazing. Not only that it's made from scratch, but that, you know, they're making an effort to support local producers I think that's yeah I didn't
1: even know they made rice like in this area in the in the city until the nutritionist told me I knew I know Chiba is a Chiba makes a lot of rice but I didn't know that Funamashi specifically made rice but she she knows where to get it it was an eye opening you know experience to just kind of hear her talk about all this like well I didn't know you could get all this stuff like within the city
0: Yeah, I would not have guessed that. Yeah. (laughs) What? Give us an example of what a lunch might consist of.
1: Okay, so typically what we do is we do, I'm gonna throw out a couple of Japanese terms out here. Um, Sanshoki. Sanshoki, which is uh, three dishes. So we use a rice bowl, which is usually used to obviously hold rice, and then another soup dish so that usually holds like miso soup or just you know whatever it could be a vegetable soup like potato soup or something and then like a small plate which holds like a salad and then like the main dish kind of so we usually do sanshoki which is like those three things like rice and then a soup and then a main dish with like a side salad or something most of the time i think we use we use a lot of um fish Um, Not much meat, mostly fish. Sometimes no meat at all. (laughs) Yeah, we actually do serve vegetarian things sometimes. And I don't think it's um, intentional. It's just, I think, because a lot of Japanese foods are naturally um, vegetarian or or vegan. Sometimes the whole lunch ends up being vegetarian. And and, which always makes me think of Rachel because she's vegan. So I always... (laughs) 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 So if we don't use like a, a... meat like fish or a source pork or a beef or whatever we always end up using tofu so tofu yeah every day we use tofu and then every day we use uh komatsuna which is i don't i don't how would you explain komatsuna in english it's kind of like it's um, not like bok choy
0: but it's kind of like a herdier type of spinach yeah
1: but so komatsuna is like the famous vegetable made in funabashi. So we use that every day, like every day in a salad, in a soup, just it's used every day. And then we use a lot of beans, um, garbanzo beans, lentils, and natto. I know natto isn't always popular in the in the United States or Europe, but natto is used a lot as well.
0: So natto, for those of you who don't know, is uh, made with fermented soybeans and they're kind of not kind of they are stinky and <laughs> they're kind of uh how do you describe that texture gooey
1: gooey yeah and
0: sticky uh, sticky <laughs> yeah so it sounds kind of terrible how you describe it <laughs> I really love natto but I guess I'm weird that way yeah um, she's
1: a little weird <laughs> just a little
0: just a little little. but it's a really good healthy product i love it
1: we use it in um salad in a kind of like oh especially is kind of like a japanese salad Would you would wouldn't you say um but yeah we use it in yes a lot and it's actually one of the most popular dishes in the school my kids love it
0: that that's kind of awesome so maybe explain Mm -hmm what that salad looks like or how you make it.
1: <laughs> so it's just basically natto and then the komatsuna. It's kind of like all the vegetables are, are chopped like a cob salad almost, except more uh-huh. like, yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's like a cob salad kind of. And it's natto, komatsuna, carrot, um, and then haksaï, which is like a chi- Chinese cabbage. Is that how you is that how you say it in English? I don't know the English names for some of these vegetables. Um, napa cabbage, napa cabbage. Yeah. So haksai and then and then it's like bonito flakes, uh, dashi, and that's it. It's it's not complicated. It's the the hardest part is chopping all the vegetables. But everything is just everything else. You just mix it. But that's that's the most popular dish at the school. Like everybody always asks. It for sounds. Seconds. It sounds delicious.
0: So I love that because it's really different than maybe how we think about a salad, Mm -hmm. especially because of the use of dashi. Mm -hmm. So dashi is the Japanese version of stock. So it can be flavored with um, smoked fish, different types of dried fish, um, dried mushrooms, kelp. It's just a really... It's more of a, a sea stock.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then and it can also be veganized too. Like you don't necessarily have to use fish or, yeah, you don't have to use fish. It, it, it could be all kombu or just vegetables if you wanted. It's very versatile. You can use anything you really want to. We use a lot of dashi in the food that we cook because it helps to kind of cut back on salt because everything that we cook is low sodium. So we use a lot of dashi to kind of add more umami to everything
0: and you just get automatically so much flavor mm-hmm. by using dashi mm-hmm. dashi is really i think one of the building blocks of japanese cuisine. yeah it is it is for sure
1: and we make our we make our dashi every morning um we never use the the dashi flakes or anything like that it's always it's always everything is always made fresh and i think it's re- it really it's the nutritionist that's in charge right now she's really passionate about what she does and so my kids love her and she's, she's just a really nice person. And and she's just the best person to work with. And I, and it's, my job isn't easy. It's a lot of hard work and, you know, it's, we're always running around and we never really get to take much of a break, but it's just really worth it. Like I, I love what I do. So Sanchoki back to what we were talking about before. (laughs) so it's usually the three dishes. Um, sometimes they, we do nishoki, which is um, two dishes. And usually when it's nishoki, it's usually something like um, curry or something like mabo dofu or maybe pasta. So it would be like more of a one pot yeah, meal type yeah, thing. Yeah. But basically it's usually um, sanshoki though, like a, a soup and then rice or bread and then like the main dish and then salad. And then kids usually get milk for their drink. And then pe- um, kids who have allergies, they don't get milk. They they bring their own soy milk or they bring tea or, or whatever. I think I would like to go back to elementary school. <laughs> in Japan. <laughs> in Japan. <laughs> they actually, I think they have um, restaurants. I I don't know the specific name of the restaurants, but they do have restaurants in like Tokyo or in other areas of Japan where you can- actually kind of eat like Japanese school lunches. Like restaurants are kind of set up like school cafeterias and you can eat like the school lunches.
0: I had not heard that, but I'm not surprised. That's such a Japanese thing to do. Just the the very unique restaurant concepts that yeah.
1: they do sometimes so in Tokyo. That could be something we could do maybe eventually when you when come back to Japan to visit one of these Our things. list is I know. so long. <laughs> <laughs> you should just move back so we can... We can kind of tackle that list quicker.
0: (laughs) Well, and it's going to get even longer because my March trip was canceled due to the pandemic. So we didn't get to cross anything off. I know, right? So it's just getting
1: longer and longer. I'm going
0: to have to tell my husband that I'm going to have to come visit for a very long time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything else you want to know about my work? Like what I do? Yeah, what does a what does a typical work day
0: look like for you?
1: Typical work day. So I work from nine to three in the afternoon. We usually go in the morning and oh, we have like a monthly menu that we are given. And then we go in the morning, we get changed into our outfits, which pretty much look like spacesuits. Kind of, (laughs) I'm not (laughs) kidding. (laughs) We look like we're wearing spacesuits, but um. It's just so nothing gets into the food that we're preparing. So we go in and we kind of have like a quick meeting with the the nutritionist and everybody else working in there. And then we get divided into little teams, like people prepping the fruit that's going to be served, people prepping the salad, people prepping the main dishes. And then we just start prepping all the vegetables, like peeling and cutting the vegetables and washing the fruit and everything. And then... We just keep working in in the groups, like the people working on the main dishes will keep working on, you know, their thing. If it's like um, fish, they start roasting everything in the oven or we just work separately. So nothing gets kind of combined because there could be kids with like a fish allergy or a fruit allergy or something. So we're never we never kind of because we don't want to cross contaminate anything. So we're usually divided into whatever groups and then we just work separately throughout the day and then once everything is prepped um we they have like these little i don't know they call them wagons in japan i don't know what you would say it in english but they are like wagons and we have their the dishes and trays that the kids put their dishes on and we put them on the wagons and then we put the food and um sanitize like containers with lids on the wagons and then we kind of carry the wagons out to, um, they call them which is kind of, it's just like an empty room where the teachers come to get the food. And then we kind of pass the wagons to the teachers and then they take the wagons to the classrooms and the kids eat their food. And then after that, it's just clean up for us. That's another huge difference between the
0: american system and the japanese system from what i know and what i've seen Mm -hmm. not many japanese schools have a cafeteria right they they tend to eat in their classrooms yeah most
1: it's most elementary schools don't some um i think like middle and high schools do have cafeterias but it's elementary schools don't have cafeterias it's like you eat in the classroom
0: I love that. I love that part of their school education is what they get eating in the classroom with their Mm -hmm. teacher. And as a result, they tend to learn manners and cleaning up and all sorts of things. Right,
1: And then when they come to get the food from us, we usually have like a sample set out on um, there's my kid's school is a five story building. So on each floor, there's like a sample of you know, like today's lunch, it's like how they should kind of set it up on their, on their trays. And they kind of look at the example and then, and yeah, learn how to kind of dish out everything and lay it out. Um, We just prep the food and then we kind of take it to that Haizeng Su, which is where the, the big rooms where they come to get the food. And then they, the teachers take the food to the classrooms, the kids, serve themselves, and they clean up their classrooms themselves. And then they bring the empty wagons back to where we first gave them, gave it to them. And then it's just clean up from there. But basically, they just do everything them, themselves. It's not like the, I think when I went to school in Seattle, it was like we went to the cafeteria and then people dish stuff out for us, but it's nothing like that.
0: Yeah. I love that the kids are given a little bit more responsibility and I think that's cool. And, you know,
1: of course, they make a mess and they spill things and whatever, but you know that's all a part of the learning experience. You know, for sure. Yes, and then the cleanup is—it's <laughs> yeah, we're really on—we're always on like a really hard, uh, a strict time schedule. So once the kids are done eating, they bring all the the wagons back to the rooms where they we originally handed it to them. And then we kind of rush back to the the kitchen, bring all the wagons back to the kitchen and then and then we we hand wash everything. <laughs> so it takes a lot. Yikes. While. <laughs> you would not believe how fast we hand wash everything, but it's everything is um hand washed and then we kind of rinse everything in the in like a it's not a dishwasher, it's kind of like a a dish rinser kind of <laughs> you know, wash off any extra soap or whatever that's on the dishes. And then we put them in these huge um, kind of drying machines, everything in the drying machines. And then we mop and sanitize everything. And then the next day it all starts again. So it's just the same thing every day. It's kind of, it sometimes depends um, on, depending on what the, what we're cooking, it's kind of easier and harder. Cleanup is a little easier and, and harder, but it's pretty much that's that's what we do every day
0: I remember when um the possibility mm-hmm. of that job came up and I remember you texting me I think I might apply to do this and I was thinking <laughs> yes like it just made so much sense to me too uh-huh. it was just how you texted me
1: but I just thought well of course you should do that <laughs> yeah and it's and it's a really and you know there's it's it's really hard and and it's hot and humid and you get all sweaty and kind of like <laughs> sore in the arms because you're carrying all this stuff all the time but it's just i i like it i like what i do it's fun it's just, i don't think i could imagine myself doing anything else right now it's just something i really enjoy doing so that's what i do at work every day well i did every day because right now the school the schools are closed. (laughs) So I don't have work, but
0: (laughs) you're, you're getting a little break (laughs) at least from that work. Yeah. (laughs) Instead, you've got kids at home trying to do homeschooling, right? Yeah. That's, I think a little harder, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe a little cooler, not so hot. (laughs) I
1: know. Oh my goodness. It's so hot at the school because we're not allowed to open the windows when we're cooking because we don't want they don't want anything getting into the food or so we're basically in like a sauna pretty much (laughs) the things we do for good food right I know
0: well those kids are going to be healthier for it so
1: yeah they are they are and I really like my my youngest son he was the most pickiest eater like he would not eat anything other than and like ham and cheese, literally he that's all he lived and maybe tomatoes. And that, that was all he lived off of until pretty much elementary school. And then that's when everything really changed. Like, he he hated fish. He hated salad. He would I mean, he would not touch a raw vegetable with a 10 foot pole. But <laughs> and, and I'm serious. And, and then he, once he started elementary school, because you don't really have a choice in what you eat it's like they, they basically serve you whatever everybody's eating and then you either eat it or you don't and it's kind of like you go hungry <laughs> it sounds kind of it sounds awful but you kind of learn to eat different types of food and my my youngest son who hated vegetables who hated fish now loves vegetables and he loves fish. He loves like eating all sorts of different kinds of food now. And I think it's really um, all because of, of the school lunches and, and how they kind of, you know, make the food and have the kids eat it. And yeah, it's been a really good experience for my kids too.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to hearing more about some of the wonderful things that you make. I was, <laughs> I was loving to say-
1: Guess what we made today? <laughs> I don't and I wish we could take pictures or like record something, but we're not allowed to bring anything into the kitchen just because it would contaminate something. So, well, I think
0: hopefully people have a better idea of who we are yes, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure they'll get a better idea coming down the road. So that's it for this week's episode of the Onigiri Chronicles. And I think next week we may be talking a little bit about pandemic cooking
1: and eating, and just how we've been kind of dealing with all of the stuff that comes with pandemic cooking. <laughs>
0: yes, it's been an adventure for sure. Yeah, right? <laughs> it has.
1: It sure has. And then, and I know the whole situation is a little different in Japan and the United States. We'll kind of,
0: kind of get into all of that. So that is coming next week. We'll see you later.